in-depth conversations, matchup breakdowns, analysts on every game, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with your hosts, Adam Crawley and Colin Dunlap. Colin, do you want to start with your question? I do. Deontay Johnson, Mm. catch on the sideline, okay? I claim that it is one of the greatest in terms of athleticism and in terms of just sheer going and get it. One of the greatest catches in Steeler history. I'm not asking you to rank the greatest catches in Steeler history because there's been so many. There's some even in 42 to 10 games in the fourth quarter that you go, oh, you forget about it. What Steeler receivers could have made a catch like that? Because I have probably, I have three definites, and that's it, and then a couple maybes. Who are are my three definites? I think we'll probably agree on one definite right off the gate. Yeah, Antonio Brown. Yes. Antonio Brown may have been my only definite, honestly. And I know Martavis Bryant. He made another. He made that catch in Cincinnati with his butt cheeks. That's. I don't have three definites. I have. I have three. I have one definite. Two other vortex guys. Maybe Martavis Bryant is there. Yeah. That's a great call. And I'm talking Steeler history. It's got to be Swan, right? It, bang! Let's go. You, you got all three. The yes. acro. The acrobatics, man. I mean, it was. And again, watching it today. And I probably watched the the gif of that like 15 times. I don't I was so caught up in the emotion in the insanity of that game. I didn't stop like Ferris Bueller and look around to appreciate what I had just seen. Because that you're right, man. That is a just pure athleticism. If you take stakes out of all, all the catches in Steelers history and it's just about pure athleticism, it's on the list. It's absolutely there are list. there are a lot of really good receivers. In NFL history, in NFL, and I'm talking great NFL receivers in NFL history that can't make that catch on a football field by themselves, let alone being defended. He caught that ball going backwards with one hand and got both feet down. And the referee was like, nah, there's no way. And a defender was menacing him. A defender's right on his bum. And when he stood up, he's like, yeah. I got it. Let me I throw some it. some other guys. Could Lima Swede make that catch, but then drop a screen pass like two <laughs> snaps later? <laughs> I think Lima Swede was a, was a fleet, as they say. Uh, I think he was better blocker than a pass Flex catcher. make that catch? No. He he would have made it with he could he would have made it with two hands. He might have made the catch. He would have done it different. Does Ernie Mills make that catch? No. Does Lewis Lips make that catch? No, he'd have been drunk. I'm not Washington playing pinball. Um, does that's does Santonio Holmes make that catch? That was the guy that I flirted with. That was the guy. I I don't think I ever saw him do that. I mean, we all know what he did in the Super Bowl. He was just such a beast in the open field. I don't know if he was sticky enough. I have a dark horse that I think that's still employed in the NFL. James Washington. I'm serious. He might be a dark horse to make a catch like that. Only if Mason Rudolph threw it. He made some combat catches and some in-traffic catches 
that were absolutely ridiculous. He was underutilized, man. I don't get what happened there. I really don't. Because he was a hardworking guy, too. Still is. Does Marcus Wheaton make that catch? No, but I love that guy. He only yeah. makes it in Seattle that one game where he went right. off for 200 yards. James Washington is a dark horse to make an athletic play like that. I mean that. I'm not kidding. I like that guy. I do. Yeah, wow. And I like I got I get along with Marcus Wheaton, too. And we brought this guy up in the last segment, Kendrick Green. Hell of a nice Does not kid. make that catch. No, uh, he does not make no. that catch. Not at all. I want to get into someone on the Bengals that had a big role in the Steelers' victory. But before we get to that, when's the when's the last time the defense played that well? I guess Buffalo probably last year to open. Yeah, probably season. Buffalo last year. I would say, and but then- that was a thorough a domination. A dom- so I'll put it this way. In 2022, in the way that the game is played, that was as thoroughly dominant of a defensive performance, I think, that you can put out there against a team of Cincinnati's caliber. I would agree to that because they weren't just stops. They were turnovers. That's entirely different territory. And they weren't fumbles that people were putting on the ground. They were, everything was forced. You were making them make mistakes. Somebody wasn't running free in the open field and dropped the football or got it punched out from behind or whatever, which is still a great play. But these were things that you forced a great, an AFC champion quarterback into for the most part. I find that incredible. Someone had the breakdown. I forget who it was on Twitter today. Minka Fitzpatrick's (laughs) big six. And it reminded me a lot of Troy Polamalu's interception against the Atlanta Falcons, that one game they won in overtime where at no point did you think this guy's covered on the sideline, and then all of a sudden, bang. Now, this wasn't quite at the boundary in the same way, but Minka saw it, read it, gave it just enough of a, "Mm, yeah, go ahead and you toss that, went over there. His performance, I asked the question on the morning show today, who had a better performance, Alex Highsmith or Minka Fitzpatrick? It's an easy answer. It is Minka Fitzpatrick. I said Highsmith because I grade on a curve, and I didn't expect him ever to have three sacks in a game. But Minka... The one concern I have with the defensive performance from Minka's standpoint, Colin, is he had to make 175 million tackles last year. Right. He had all he had the block field goal. He had the interception. He had to make 14 tackles again. And I know part of that is him just getting his nose dirty in the play. Part of that is the linebackers still, while they weren't horrific, they need to be better. Am I allowed to not worry about the best player in the field being the best player in the field? And maybe, at least for now, until it becomes a trend this year, chalk it up to a playmaker making plays. Am I allowed to do that? Because I'm going to do that until it becomes a big trend. Like, I, I can't find myself, even though he's in the back end of the defense, but they do deploy him in a bunch of different places. And maybe Brian Flores, you know, he's been known to put Minka Fitzpatrick's hand in the dirt. So perhaps I'm just going to chalk it up for now until it becomes a problem to the most athletic guy making athletic plays. Yeah. I, I don't, we could disagree, but that's just where I am with it. That's fine. Uh, it's game one. I'll look at last year and it still gives me concern, but it is a different team. Uh, you're not going to probably have to make as many tackles in theory with Larry Ogunjobi, Tyson Aluallo up front with Miles Jack in the middle of the field. So yeah, I mean, jury's still out. I saw that 14 14 number, and it probably should pop positively. It popped. I was like, oh, geez, here we go again. Minka Fitzpatrick needing to make every play. Devin Bush, not the dime linebacker. Miles Jack, not the dime linebacker. They did throw it 55 times, though. 
They, you are right about that. They threw the ball a ton. How about Robert Spillane being the dime bagger when the thing that he's worst at is covering? Now, part of it's because of his smarts. Actually, probably all of it is because of his smarts. So kudos to him for that. But I find that odd. At the same time, Devin Bush only had to play 51% of the snaps. And Devin Bush, Colin, was there a moment at any point where you went, there he is, there's that no. guy that sucks? No, he he quitted himself well. He was not on the field for a ton of snaps, but I think that they worked him in in, in the right form. And, you know, if you're going to be fair to this guy, the whole city, everybody, every media member and all the fans have taken this guy apart, and rightly so, because he's not lived up to his draft stock. If he was a fifth rounder, okay, he's maybe played to that level. But he's not lived up to his draft stock. There are no complaints about yesterday. And if you're going to be fair, you have to applaud him because he he was where he was supposed to be. He played well and he was more than serviceable. So if he continues to grow off that, then maybe he will have that bounce back here. The only negative that I can find on the defense was Akella Weatherspoon backing into the end zone on the out route to tie the game for Jamar Pace. I mean, that is football 101. The same way you can't let the inside guy get to the to block the PAT, you can't you can't back up into the end zone when you're guarding Jamar Chase. He's either going to run a slant or he's going to go to the corner. You got to play the man. You can't you can't read the quarterback and drop back like that. I thought that was bad, but I think Akella Witherspoon largely acquitted himself well apart from that. I agree to you. I agree there. You're you're simply going to lose some battles with Jamar Chase. You have to limit how many you lose. And yep. You just don't want to lose him in and around the goal line. I thought they did a decent job on Jamar Chase, as good as they can do. I thought what they did was force him to make great catches, and he did. And yeah. luckily, a couple of them came down out of bounds. So, you know, there was that. But I thought that they did a great job on him in so much as he, he could have won the football game a couple of times. And in theory, he did win the football game, and the kicker didn't come through. Football's weird, man. Deontay Johnson... He makes the play on the sideline with his foot. The uh, Super Bowl runner-up quarterback, Mr. Franchise, throws four interceptions. Mitch Trubisky, who's on his third franchise, throws none. Football's weird. Steelers get the win. How much blame does Zach Taylor take for this one? Because I thought there were some questionable coaching decisions, notably in overtime, punting with 13 seconds left on the play clock. Uh, every second seemed to matter for the Steelers at the end of that game. You also had him not challenging the initial, I thought, touchdown by Shamar Chase earlier in the game. Uh, and a couple of other moments, I thought, from Zach Taylor as well. Not a well-coached game, I don't think, by him. No, I don't think he's – I don't want to say I don't think he's ready for primetime because they just went to the Super Bowl. But I don't know how still how great of an in-game coach he is, uh, especially when having to play from behind. I'm with you. I'm with you. Mike Tomlin won a whole lot of games too. And I don't know how great of an in-game coach he was when needing to make decisions, especially on the fly when playing from behind. I thought Mike Tomlin had a couple of questionable decisions as well in this game. It's going to happen. Would you have challenged initially on the very first drive? Was there enough to be gained there on the first drive of the season to challenge that first down? I, I said, yes, it's hard to, it's always hard to overturn those spots on the sideline. You're just not going to get a great angle, and now you're talking about the plane of the sideline going up to infinity. But 
they had not scored at all on the first drive last season. And they actually showed a little bit of promise there because I do think that probably was a first down. I think they just misruled it. So I said, yeah, I thought you could gain that you go down there and take some momentum, or at least if you get a first down or two, you can give Mitch Trubisky some confidence. So, yeah, I would have done it. What about you? Um, I would have had to been damn sure that it was a yeah. first down, like a thousand percent sure. Like one of those, hey, they definitely missed it. It's not even up for debate. It's just an, a totality of a blown call. And if he felt that way, then okay. But I just I saw it as always a 50-50 proposition through all the replays. Yeah, I did think it was 50-52. Thought it was worth it. In the second half, I mean, depending on the game situation, I'm not sure. Um, depending on the timeout situation, I'm not sure. I didn't think giving away one timeout would be all that costly in the first half. Uh, we do need to get to the operations of the Bengals kicking unit. And we'll do so next because God, football's tremendous. Fourth down in the Steel City. <laughs> 